afternoon, everybody. It's great to see you all. <laughs> James Waves, how's it, James? It's good to see you, bro. Good to see you, brother. So, it's been an interesting week in the life of our congregation. And uh, obviously, we, we prayed for Mike a bit earlier, and I would encourage you to keep praying for him. Um, so, on Wednesday this week, I... Uh, I woke up and I, I had a doctor's appointment, but I was feeling a little bit stressed and anxious for the whole week before I went there. So I went to the doctor feeling a few uh, pains in my chest and my arms, which uh, is never a good thing. <laughs> and uh, as I was driving to the doctor's office, I just kept having this verse of scripture in my mind. And it says, uh, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And uh, when you think of a scripture like that, you, you take your life into context, and I think you start thinking through like, life is short. I was like, okay, and I went to the doc, and he was like, no, you're fine, you're just a bit anxious. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was, I'll live. And uh, I went to a bookshop afterwards, just um, as a little reward for myself for going to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, of course I did, yeah. I've got a problem. I'm not selling my books, which is good. Anyway, but I went there, and I, I was looking for a specific book, and I found it, and it's a book by John Piper, and it's called Don't Waste Your Life, which is um, quite a direct and to-the-point title for a book, and I bought it because I'd been speaking to someone in the congregation during the week about this book and saying I was going to buy it for them. And uh, that afternoon, I got home, and Maria phoned and said Raf wasn't doing well, I was like, okay, I'll get in my car and I'll go pray for him. Went and prayed for Raf and anointed him with oil and it was good. And then I, I saw Mike lying in bed. And I, he doesn't look good. He was like, you know, Mike, he's, he's just, Mike is Mike. He's like, oh, I'll be fine. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And um, while we were there, you could just see that the bruising was getting worse. You could almost just see it happening inside of him. It was bizarre. So anyway, we prayed for him. I just knelt beside the bed and prayed for him. And as I'd finished praying, the phone rang, and Maria was answering it. And I was like, well, that's a bit awkward, like I'm trying to pray here. And she's answering the phone. <laughs> and uh, she put it on speakerphone, and it was the doctor. And the doctor said, it's quite a surreal experience, because you think in movies these kind of things happen, but the doctor's like, Mike, I need you to sit down. I don't have good news. And I was just standing there going, yeah, okay, this is rough, like... And they said, you've got leukemia. <clears throat> you need to get to the doctor immediately because if you don't, you could die. And again, those words go through my mind. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And again, I was confronted in one day three times about the brevity of this life. And... Um, some of you might know the scriptures from the book of James, James chapter 4, 13 to 17. I'm going to read it because I want to preach from this passage of scripture today. It says, come, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make a profit. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord is willing, we will live and do this 
or that. As it is, you boast in your proud intentions. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do yet fails to do it is guilty of sin. Now, I want to make very clear that what I'm preaching tonight is not a eulogy. We as a church will continue to pray for Mike, and we will continue to contend for his healing, and we will continue to pray for Mary Eve and for the boys and for the family, that God would do something miraculous for them. But I do feel that we can't or we shouldn't miss this moment where this has happened to us as a congregation. And while the news is shocking, this is the moment for us to reflect, to step back and to think through our own lives. To think through the past, the present, and the all too, in our own eyes, uncertain future. You see, I pray that Mike will live to 90. I really do. That is my prayer, that he will live a long life. And when I was praying for him in his room, I prayed that this would just be a moment where he slowed down but didn't stop running. And that the work he's done in his seed he's sown would bear much fruit. But his life, even if he lives until 90 or 100 or 120, which means he'll outlive most of us, will still be a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. And that applies to all of us. Psalm 103 says this, As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower in the field. When the wind passes over it, he vanishes. And its place remembers it no more. Now I know this is a little bit uncomfortable, and I know it's quite somber. But I think when you're reflecting on your life, sometimes we need to take stock. And as much as I would love to preach, uh, I think my word is encouraging. <laughs> I'll get to that part. As much as I'd love to every week preach an encouragement, 10-minute sermon, it makes you feel good, I think sometimes we need to step back and stop and go, God, what am I doing with my life? We have become a culture that is obsessed with this thing called the myth of immortality. People are convinced that they are immortal. In fact, mortals think all men are mortal but themselves. <laughs> I'm immortal, you, I don't know. I'm going to live till 80. I mean, you'll be lucky if you crack 60. That's how we think, right? We all think we're going to live till 100. Some of us do. But who's heard of a thing called a memento mori? Have you? One person. What a great illustration. Only one person's heard of it. Now I can teach you something. Okay. So a memento mori, and I love the concept of this. Uh, around, from the second or third century up until the present, people would have a small skull on their desk, which is called a memento mori, which is a reminder that death is close and could happen at any time. Now, it might feel a little bit fatalistic, but it's a, but it's a reminder of our mortality. 
In the second century, Tertullian, a theologian, tells a story when the Roman armies would come into Rome, having conquered another nation. Obviously, if you're the commander, you're feeling pretty good. We've just conquered the Spanish, or I don't know, whoever. Did they ever conquer Spain? They didn't conquer Germany, as far as I know. We've conquered this nation. And they would come into Rome in these massive processions, and he would be there on his chariots, and he's the main dude, and he did it. But behind him was another soldier or a slave. And that slave would say this, remember, you're only a man. You see, that, job, that slave's job was to remind that man that as triumphant and as amazing as he thought he was now, one day his time would come. He wasn't a mortal. He was a mere man. And the ancients, like James, knew this, and they knew that life is a mere mist. In fact, some translations say your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while, and then it's gone. It is a vapor appearing for a little while and then vanishing, or a puff of smoke. A vape. <laughs> no one vapes this, that's cool. No one knows what a vape is even. <laughs> hey, teenagers? Never heard of it. <clears throat> so now that we've established in some sense that this life is short and finite, as much as superhero movies try to tell us otherwise, the question then becomes, what do we do with the short time that we have? Because in the larger scheme of things, 90 years is not big when you're talking in millions. So worldly presumption says this, when we go to scripture. The presumptuous say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make a profit. You'd, uh, yeah. That's what they say, right? Because... Actually, this life is about how much I can accumulate, how much wealth and money I can gain, how much time I can spend pursuing my own interests. And we love saying things like, I am the master of my own fate. And we try to predict or control our future. We all do it to some extent. I mean... And what this verse is saying is we often plan our lives presuming we will have many years to live and then we use that time to pursue earthly wealth and riches. In my old days, going to another city and working and accumulating money and wealth. And James, who's writing this book, is very clear in what he thinks of that. He writes these words. It's a strong rebuke. He says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It is a strong rebuke and it is meant to sting. <laughs> you can often read that passage and go like, ah, oh, uh, cool. Cool. 
people prioritizing worldly gain over God. Now, let me make clear that I'm not saying don't be wise with your money. I think we should be. I have a savings account, which seems to get less and less. (laughs) 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 It's not a hacker. I've got two teenage daughters. Yeah. What I'm saying is Jeffrey's Bay is a disaster for the Jones family when we go there. Factory shops are not factory shops. They are a con. They are from the pit of hell. What? They are a con. Uh. <laughs> so, so it's good that we plan. Scripture says if you don't work, you don't eat. He's not saying just don't do anything. Of course, we, we all work, right? I work, you work, we all work. And that is good. But I think what he's saying, and what you'll see more clearly, and he's speaking of, in the grand scheme of things, with your work, have you sought the will of the Lord in everything that you do? Because he goes on to say in verse 15, Spider-Man's come. (laughs) This must be a good sermon. (laughs) He goes on to say in verse 15, instead... You ought to say, if the Lord is willing, we will live and do this and that. Instead of boasting in what you will do and the amount of money you will get and how successful you will be because you've made your plans, he's saying instead of that, say, if the Lord is willing, we will live. Did you catch that? If the Lord is willing, we will live. The very fact that you sit here today is because the Lord wills it. (laughs) Now, that at the same time should create awe inside of you and a great reverence for God, knowing that you sit here because he wills it. All presumption is gone when we realize that our every breath depends on God. Now you're all conscious of your breath because it's like. (laughs) All presumption is gone when we realize that our every breath depends on God. Realizing how dependent and fragile we truly are is a major step in escaping the desperate pursuit of cash, power, and pleasure. And James wants us to have this awareness that every moment we are dependent on God's grace, His mercy, and His will. Think of those things. On one hand, there's cash, power, and pleasure. and On the other, there's grace, mercy, and God's will. Which one do you want? Which one do you pursue? I hope it's grace, mercy, and God's will. I hope as a church we see the difference between my will and if God is willing. See, the, uh, the arrogant and proud, one is arrogant and proud and the other one is humble and lowly. One pursues gain, the other God. And one says, Thy will be done, not mine. 
And as I read through this passage, I began to think of a lot of missionaries and missionaries that I've read about in books and autobiographies. And there's great men who've done amazing things for the kingdom. People like Hudson Taylor, David Brainerd, William Carey, C.T. Studd. These are men who saw the value of the kingdom. You saw the pearl of great price and left their lives, had successful careers, could have been amazing people in business, but left everything to pursue God. And as I was reading this, I just thought these are men who understood what it meant to devote themselves to the call of God. But more than that, they understood that this life was a mist. And in the time that they had, they were going to use it. Robert Murray McShane died at 29. He's still one of the famous, the most famous evangelists of our time. And as I was reading these things, I was thinking about the Fast family and about Mike. About Mike who grew up in rural Canada, riding motorbikes and hunting with crossbows. He will probably never have a book written about his life who at the age of 16 encountered God and the, that changed the direction of his life, who attended Bible college, got married, became a youth pastor and elder until he felt the call to Africa. So in obedience, he packed up his belongings, took his wife, his two young boys to a foreign country in order to reach people for Jesus. Mike, Mike, <laughs> and I'm sure as he went, he thought these words of Matthew 19, 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Mike and Marie know the cost, and they are willing to pay it. In fact, I think when I read the scripture and I think of them, their life in some sense, and no one's perfect, but I think their, their lives would attest more to if the Lord is willing we will live and do this or that. And when I think of that, that book I bought by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life, I can, when I look at Mike and Marie, I can say that they will not waste their life and they have not wasted their life. In fact, I think the, the, the call of their heart and the desire of their heart are reflected in the words of Jesus when he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Those famous words in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the fast are only one story of lives devoted to God. Maybe your life looks very different. The reality is most of us are never going to be missionaries 
Does anyone here want to be a missionary? Renee, oh, you were missionaries. No, wait, wait, it's like, no. <laughs> I saw that hand, Renee. I saw it. <laughs> the truth is we will never leave our country of birth. We will never give up family or give up comfort to go to somewhere that the Lord has called us to. But that doesn't mean that we can't be God's representative and fulfill the great commission, which is being on mission for Christ in our neighborhood. I ask you who wants to be a missionary. The fact is you all are missionaries. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that yawn. Thanks, Thorin. Thanks. <laughs> Thorin was fully engaged. Or was it not him? <laughs> the fact is we all are missionaries. And that's not to take away from Mike and Marie. That means that none of us have got an excuse on that day to go, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know. What was I supposed to do, God? Just read Matthew 28. It applies to the whole church. Jim Elliot said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You get that. I'll read it again. <laughs> he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, worldly gain, possessions, stuff, clothing, whatever, to gain what he cannot lose, eternal life. Life on earth, temporary, eternal life, eternal. <laughs> you guys got that. We can, send, we can spend our lives chasing after wealth, comfort, the next adventure, the latest gadgets, riches, or we could seek first the kingdom of God and those things will be added to us anyway. It just might look a little bit different. Going on an adventure and camping is great, but you could be on a mission, also camping, just as great. <laughs> You see the difference? How quickly we forget that these lives are in fact not our own. I know most of you have been baptized, and we will be doing some more baptism soon, which is incredible. But Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. You know that part. Let's read the next line. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live. Which means it's, not my will, but our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not if it went, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a complete nightmare. And knowing that our lives are not our own, that we, are, we submit ourselves constantly to the will of God to do His work 
and to spend and pour our lives out for him. We know that on, in one day, everything that we do in this life will come before the throne of God and will be judged. And only those things that are in Christ will remain. Only those things that are in Christ will remain. Now, what do I mean by that? 1 Corinthians 3.15 For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the flames. Did you know that we, we are here to do Christ's work? <laughs> Christians don't like that word work. Legalistic. <laughs> don't tell me about works. No, we're not saved by works. I 100% agree. But we are saved for good works. There's work for us to do. We don't work for our salvation. That is once and for all accomplished by Christ on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't work for our salvation. But we work for him. So church, dear Christian, commit each day to God. Seek first his kingdom. Use your spiritual gifts. Tell everyone about Jesus. Seek God's will for your life. Seek to display his joy to others. Boast in Christ. Give your life for the cause of his kingdom. To know that to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> in the words of John Piper, don't waste your life. Come now, you who say, tomorrow or today, we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make a profit. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord is willing, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your proud intentions. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do yet fails to do it is guilty of sin. 